today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. As a leader, he knew that he was going to be leading his people into a battle very shortly. And I believe that he was both not only checking out the enemy, but I believe, again, as a godly leader, he's praying, give me wisdom on this. He knows that they're going to press forward. He knows that the Lord's going to give them the victory. That's the heart and the mind of Joshua that we saw from the very beginning when he had gone out with the first 12 spies. He, along with Caleb, were the ones that said, yeah, we can do this thing. We face physical battles on an almost daily basis. Today, Pastor David will talk about the spiritual battles behind those physical battles. As he studies Joshua chapters 5 and 6, Pastor David admires the leadership of Joshua. The Israelites had been known to question the Lord and complain about their circumstances. Here, their faith is about to be truly tested as God calls them to march around the city of Jericho. But Joshua's leadership propels them because of his obedience to the Lord. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, It's a Spiritual Battle. Say over the last month, we'll give it a, give it a month. Have you had any kind of conflicts, disagreements, arguments, areas of stress, areas of strain in your life to where you're being pushed and pulled? Let me tell you something that I, I know that if you're a believer and you've been a believer for more than you know a week, you're probably very well aware of the fact of what Ephesians 6.12 tells us. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual powers, principalities. It's a spiritual battle that you and I are in. Now, we may look at the world and think, that, that was not a spiritual battle. No, he was just being an absolute jerk, and I had to deal with it. No, for you as a believer, guess what? It's a spiritual battle. Whatever it might be, whether it be a husband and wife battle, a battle with the kids, a battle with the in-laws, the outlaws, a battle with a neighbor, a battle with a store clerk, a misrepresentation from a company, a telemarket, or whatever it might be. Really and truly, for you and I as a believer, we need to start understanding that the enemy will use anything and everything that he can to defeat, discourage, distract you. And he does that in so many ways. And if we're not ready for that, if we're not, you know, watching for that, we get blindsided pretty easy. But yet, if we come at our life, if we come with the understanding that during the day, any day, in any situation, that because 
we have a spiritual life, because we are desiring to walk in His will, because we're desiring to be obedient, we desire to hear and to understand and to glean what the Lord is showing us, then the things that come into our lives, that cross our paths every day of our lives, are going to be possible things that are going to push us further away from just that closeness of communion that we have with the Lord, or it's going to draw us closer to Him. It's either going to push us away or draw us closer to Him. How we respond to these things is the big factor on that. Uh, you might say, yeah, but Pastor, you don't know the battle that I'm going through. It doesn't really matter. I don't need to know your battles. I've got plenty of battles on my own, okay? And I, and I know how these things work. And sometimes I get it figured out beforehand. And other times it's in retrospect. I say, oh yeah, that was a spiritual battle. I blew that one. Let's be watching out for the next one. The reality of spiritual battles comes against you to draw you down and be non-effective. We're going to look at a battle tonight that on one hand, it looks like a very, very physical battle, but in reality, every bit of it was a spiritual battle. Every bit of it. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Joshua, chapter 6 this evening. Joshua, chapter 6. A huge, huge spiritual battle. As a matter of fact, we look at the book of Joshua in chapter 6, 7, and 8 are spiritual battles that are going on. Now, granted, the whole conquest of the land of Canaan are spiritual battles. We understand that. But in particular, I see these three particular battles that are just glaring examples for you and I, written long ago as examples for you and I to glean not how to arm up with, with material battles, not how to bring in the armor of uh, uh, against physical attacks, but really and truly how to arm up and how to put on the protective gear against spiritual battles that will take place in our lives. In chapter 6, 7, and 8, we see victory, defeat, and then victory. Victory in chapter 6, defeat in chapter 7, and then victory back in chapter 8. All of these going on. And then in chapter 9, we move on into that, and we see this warning against compromise, against moving out in our own logic and understanding. And we'll be looking at these things over the next several weeks. How dangerous it is for you and I as believers, as, as individuals, as families, as a fellowship, as a church, as elders and leaders within the church, to move in our own logic, to move in our own understanding for every one of us, either individually or as a family or as a fellowship together. We cannot move on the logic of man. Sometimes the thing that the Lord leads us into make absolutely good sense. That just makes sense. But there's a multitude of times that the Lord brings us into things that make absolutely no sense and no logic at all. And yet he is doing that for the very purpose of showing himself strong on our behalf so that it's not about us. 
It's not about our ability, our strength, our wisdom, our cunning, our intelligence, our, you know, suaveness, our, you know, great talents or whatever it might be. No, it's not about us. It's about the Lord and about His strength. So not walking in our own logic. And then chapters 10, 11, and 12 just continue on with battle and conquest and battle and conquest as we continue on in the book of Joshua. But right now, let's look at this first one. This is, this is the beginning of the military conquest here in, uh, the book of Joshua as they're coming up against the city of Jericho. Now, I'm going to start in chapter 6, and I'll read verse 1, and then I'm actually going to back up into chapter 5. Chapter 6, verse 1 is going to set the stage, but then I want to back up and get the last few verses of chapter 5 to kind of bring into play everything else that's happening right now. Chapter 6, verse 1 of uh, Joshua says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. If you remember the story, or if you've been with us as we've uh, gone into the book of Joshua here, you understand that Jericho was a fortified city, a large fortified city, strong, thick walls, thick, huge gates, again, to keep any attacking enemy out. Uh, whenever they can go in and close those gates, there is that sense of security uh, that they have against every enemy. And again, bringing this into the spiritual realm for you and I, the world in the flesh uh, tries to put up a lot of guards, a lot of barriers against all kinds of attacks. But the problem is, is most all of those barriers and guards that we put up in the flesh, guys, they can be defeated so easily. And the enemy knows how to defeat the barriers that you and I put up in the flesh. Jericho, they have shut themselves up. Do you see what's going on? They shut themselves out from the enemy, but the problem is they've shut themselves in too. They've literally imprisoned themselves. Why? Because of the fear of the children of Israel. And it's right that they should fear them because they've seen the children of Israel. Man, they've defeated the other kings on the other side of the uh, Jordan River. And now their God has stopped the Jordan River and allowed them to come across. And now they are only just a few miles away from them encamped. And they know that they're headed to Jericho. So we see that Jericho securely shut up because of the children of Israel, none going out, nobody going in. Now, I believe that it's at this point in time, there while the children of Israel are encamped there in Gilgal, not too far away, I believe it's probably one evening that Joshua leaves the camp. I believe that he goes by himself, and he goes up just to check out and to scope out the city of Jericho. As a leader, he knew that he was going to be leading his people into a battle very shortly. And I believe that he was both not only checking out the enemy, but I believe, again, as a godly leader, he's praying, give me wisdom on this. He knows that they're going to press forward. He knows that the Lord's going to give them the victory. That's the heart and the mind of Joshua that we saw from the very beginning when he had gone out with the first 12 spies. He, along with Caleb, were the ones that said, yeah, we can do this thing. We can do this thing. God is with us. Let's do it right now. So there's no doubt, I don't believe in Joshua's mind, to go out and just to look at the enemy's camp, to look at the city, and to see what's going on. Now, let me take you up to verse 13 of chapter 5. Chapter 5. Now, it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, 
a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. I believe that Joshua was going out to make prayerful preparation for the battle that was before him. And suddenly here stands a man. You need to understand there had to be something so different about that one that he sees that Joshua recognized doesn't look like one of the enemy, but he's not one of our guys. And this guy is here and he's got a sword drawn. Joshua asked a great question. He says, are you for us or for our adversaries? You see, in Joshua's mind, there was only two choices there. You're either for us or you're against us, okay? You're either for us or you're for the enemy. What he didn't realize until this individual spoke that who he was speaking of was way above all of the conflict and all of the understanding that Joshua could even begin to have. And I love the answer. He says, in essence, neither one, neither one. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. We look at this and we suddenly understand, man, this isn't just an angel here. This is what they call a Christophany. This is Christ himself, a pre-incarnate uh, visitation of Christ. And it's interesting. The words that he tells him, he says, Joshua, what does he say? Take off your sandals, because where you're standing is holy ground. Do you remember where we've heard that before? Remember in, in for uh, Moses, the book of Exodus, Moses sees this bush burning, and he goes up there to see what's going on with the bush. And from that bush, a voice comes out, Moses, take off your sandals. You're, you're standing on holy ground. We see the Lord revealing himself in different ways at different times to different individuals. And here Joshua is as a warrior. He's, he's a fighter. He is a, a leader of an army. He goes out there and suddenly here is this other warrior standing before him. And suddenly this warrior says, I'm not for you or for the adversary. I am, again, the commander of the army of the Lord. Joshua did an interesting thing right there. It says that he fell to his face and worshipped. If that were an angel, what would the angel have said, church? No, 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 don't worship me. Get up, get up. But this individual didn't. Remember when Abraham, uh, the three men came and visited Abraham. And the one man, again, again, I believe the pre-incarnate visitation of the Lord Jesus. We see it throughout the Old Testament. And here he is to come to speak to Joshua, to tell Joshua, number one, that yes, Joshua, you are going to win the battle, and Joshua, here is how you're going to do it. And so he begins to explain to Joshua the type of weaponry that you're going to need, the kind of swords, the kind of spears, the kind of shield. No, that's not what he does at all, does it? Because he understands this isn't a flesh and blood battle. 
Although there are real and true flesh and blood enemies there that are seeking to destroy you, Joshua, and to destroy the children of Israel, Joshua, you need to realize as real and true as that physical battle is, we're not fighting against flesh and blood here. It is a spiritual battle that you are fighting. Now, the winning of that spiritual battle will bring about a winning of that physical battle also. And that's something you and I need to remember. When there is a battle going on, and I'm not saying that our physical battles, the situations that we have in this world, aren't true, because they're very true. They're very real. They can be overwhelming at times. But again, the victory is not won in the flesh and the blood. It's won in a spiritual sense, that the Lord can give you wisdom and direction and strength, and he gives us victory. Victory in those things. And so we need to remember that the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. Why is the place where you, is Jericho holy? No, but in the presence of the Lord, it's holy in the presence of the Lord, wherever the Lord is, it's holy. Wherever we invite him into our lives, it's a holy place. And he wants to speak to Joshua. He wants to encourage him. So now we move into chapter 6, verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up Every man straight away. The Lord gave him the opportunity, gave him the direction of what to do. Take all of your men of war. How many men of war did they have? Well, we know that as they crossed over the Jordan River that 40,000 of them came from the two and a half tribes that are staying trans-Jordan, staying on the other side. Those other two tribes, they sent their warriors with them. They had 40,000 just from them. Now, when you start thinking about marching around the city, how big was Jericho? I don't know. I'm sure the archaeologists have kind of figured out about how big it is. But 40,000 men, that's a pretty good little army right there to go marching. Plus, you've got the rest of the tribes and all of their fighting men at the same time. So you've got this huge army of men that's going around. But right there with them are the priests and the ark. Listen to it again, on again, the, the whole layout of what they're going to do. Yes, they're going to go all around the city once. You'll do this six days. You're going to see the number seven through here quite a bit. He says, seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns. It's interesting, the ram's horns, not the metal horns of the battle, but the shofars, which is the horn of worship. That's what they would use in all of their worship services. Very interesting. It wouldn't be the the trumpet blast of a charge or an attack, and they used those during those times. But these ram's horns were the ones that they would use mostly in the times of worship. 
And he said the seven priests with the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark, the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant was never supposed to go before them in battle. It was supposed to stay at the camp and they were supposed to go ahead and, and go into the battle. But the ark itself was not supposed to go into battle. And yet here, the Lord is telling them, bring the ark with you this time. On this particular battle, bring the ark with you. And then he says, and the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And that's another thing. The priests aren't supposed to be in the fight either. The priests weren't warriors. They were the priests. They were supposed to stay back. Let the warriors go and fight. The priests stayed out of it. But here, God is telling him, I'm showing you something totally different here. I'm going to show you the battle that's going on as, again, kind of setting a precedent of understanding, not a precedent of style of what you're supposed to do at every battle, but an understanding of what these battles are all about. He says, drop down to verse 6, because Joshua, as he explains it to them, gives a little bit more detail. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed, march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So you've got a large portion, the biggest portion of the army in front of the priests. Then you have the priests. Then you have the ark. And then there are going to be a rear guard also. We'll see here. Verse 8, he says, And so it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed. And the armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So here you got it. I can't even imagine on both sides. The people of Jericho, they're scared to death anyway. They figure these people have this immense God, a powerful God that's allowed them to go through and defeat these other kings. He's stopped up the, the Jordan River and allowed them to cross over. None of our pagan gods have done that at all. And just like they heard from Rahab the harlot, man, the, the whole city, all the people, the entire country and the other nations, they are fearful of the people of Israel. And now here I am in Jericho. I've got all of my physical protection around me that I possibly can. And these guys are just a couple of miles down the road. And then one morning I wake up and I hear horns out in the distance. And I get up on the wall and I'm looking over and I'm calling... What's going on? What's going on? We all gather up on top of the wall. Here they come. Here they come. Get your weapons ready. Get everything ready. Here they come. Here they come. And they come marching up to the wall, and they just keep marching. And we're up here on the wall of Jericho. We're wondering what in the world is going on. And they're marching around. And there's no yelling. There's no screaming. There's no swords being uh, swung in the air. There's no threatening uh, of any kind coming from the children of Israel. It's this 
churchy kind of thing that's going on here. They've got their priests. They've got, they're blowing these horns. What's going on? I don't understand this. How many thousands of warriors went by those spots as they went all the way around the walls of the city of Jericho? And then they went back to Gilgal. Nobody yelling. Nobody screaming. In fact, I don't want to hear a voice. All I want to hear is the blowing of the trumpets. Open our hearts. Change us from within by the open word. Most of us have heard the story of the walls of Jericho falling down. We remember this story from Sunday School. This is just one of many events David will be bringing fresh insights to as we study the book of Joshua together. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you.